0: Get me from Studio A in Arcata behind the redwood red curtain. It's time for Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast featuring snippets from comedy soundcast and also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's this episode's host from up the coast, the man who puts the X in Xbox, and the tie on antisocial, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Sainer! In Sainer! In Sainer! In
1: Sainer! In Sainer! In Sainer! Saluto, and just me, Tyson Sainer. I am your host, For the celebration of holiday festivities that is this Christmas week episode of Suckatash, that numbers 284. Ho, ho, holy crap has it been a rough year. If you listened to last week's episode of Suckatash, which happens to be episode 283, you will have heard that episode's host, Mark Hirschhorn, echo that sentiment in a non-verbatim fashion. If you listened to that entire episode, you would have the memory of enjoying the Chats episode Mr. Hershon delivered to you. His guests in that episode were none other than Dr. London Smith and Cameron Clark of the Jock Doc Podcast. It's a great episode, and I urge you to check it out if you hadn't already. I've got clips for you this episode. Four, to be precise. They're from the soundcasts, web crawlers, triple click, no dogs in space, and how did this get made? I've also got a -a Succotash Holiday Classic of a Henderson's Pants ad for you in this episode that will drop the week of Christmas, so... Tis the season, and all that. Me, I'm rediscovering my enjoyment of the holiday season in a whole new context since having a child. He has holiday enthusiasm, and it is infectious to me. I never hated Christmas, exactly, but my enthusiasm for it had waned until recent years. Funny thing, that. Well... Four clips means plus or minus 25% more show, so let's get to it. First up, Web Crawlers from Erios. In its show description, it says self proclaimed comedians Ali Siegel and Melissa Stettin discuss unsolved mysteries, creepy cults, paranormal experiences, and everything in between. And in, in quotes, it says they maintain a loose, upbeat dynamic as they fall down rabbit holes which means listeners can comfortably dip their toes into the deeply unsettling and unexplained, but won't walk away feeling, well, haunted. End quote. That is from Vanity Fair from 2020. The clip is from December 2nd, 2021, from an episode called Real Housewives of Crime. The description of the episode says, We discuss some of the biggest crimes involving cast members from the Real Housewives franchise. Teresa Geodice's text crimes... Daniel Staub's cocaine and hostage situation, Erica Jane's husband stealing millions of dollars of settlement money from victims, Jen Shaw's telemarketing scheme, and Mary Cosby allegedly exploiting church members for money. Uh, this clip is from the beginning of their discussion of Jen Shaw. Beware of mild spoilers for The Real Housewives of. I'm gonna say Utah.
2: Now let's get into something that is going on in real time. Also, yes. literal real time. Jen Shaw, Melissa, Jen take Shah. us through this one.
3: Okay, so the newest Housewives is Salt Lake City came out last year, and there's Jen Shaw. She's married to Coach Sharif mm-hmm. Shaw, who is a college football coach, and his salary is like. The low six figures, like it's, you know, a decent salary, but they live like this lavish lifestyle. Like she has all this like designer stuff and like drives all these fancy cars, has this like amazing home called the Shaw Chalet. Yeah. And like her occupation has always been kind of a mystery. And like she even tried to explain it a few times. And even like on the show that it's like a joke of like, I don't know what Jen does, like something about marketing who knows? Like she spends like 80K on like a, on parties wow.
2: for other people. Didn't she throw someone else a party that was so expensive? Yes. Like it wasn't even her birthday party. No, it's
3: insane. Crazy. But we did find out recently that her Shaw Chalet, her mansion was rented Ooh, and her and Coach Shaw own this like pretty modest house in Salt Lake City. So they were like renting this house for the show. Oh also, my God. yeah, I looked up the address. It's like this like three bedroom, whatever, like decent sized home, like family home in Salt Lake City. That's
2: so weird yeah. that they would have a home, but then rent something bigger just for how they're portrayed yeah. on the show.
3: And all the That's Lamborghinis dark. that is shown she's driving. Those are all like borrowed cars. She doesn't own any of those cars. That's so dark. Which is like, I don't think that's that unusual for the show to like, you want to look rich. So, like, yeah, but it's a huge problem. indicator
2: into your personality yeah. that you're having to portray that kind of lifestyle.
3: So, she was arrested this year. So, and this is all on the show. Like, they yes. were filming. So, all the girls were preparing to go on this girl's trip to Vail to go skiing. And then, They're in this bus. And then Jen gets a phone call. And it's she's like, hello. Like her, she looks concerned. She's like, and then takes off her mic pack. And then she gets off the bus and she's like, Yeah, Coach Shaw, he's in the hospital. He has internal bleeding. And she had to leave. And everyone's like, Oh my God, like, is he okay? She's like, I don't know. I have to go. And she just leaves. And they're like, oh my God. And then minutes later, the police arrived. Not just the police. Not just the police. A, a squat or a squat.
2: A squat. <laughs> a p- squat a ton team. A of people popping a squat. No, it was called, it was Homeland Security. Homeland
3: Security. Yeah. The the State Department of New York.
2: Yeah, like a, they had
3: guns.
2: Like, yeah, the whole shebang.
3: It was crazy. They were looking for Jen Shah. So like <laughs> it was like what three or four of the housewives were sitting in this in this like van ready to go to Vail and like the police roll up. They're like, what is happening? Like at first they thought it was a
2: prank. Yeah. They thought they were like, thought they were strippers. They were like, is this a joke? Like is Jen playing a joke on us? And then they were like, Oh my God, no, this is actually Homeland security.
3: It was in the parking lot of beauty lab and laser, which is Heather's uh, like skincare business. (laughs) Yeah. So that was on uh, March 30th of this year, 2021. And it was Jen ended up being arrested and her assistant, Stuart Smith, a.k.a. Stu Chains. Stu Chains. They were both charged with one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing and one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering.
2: Is money laundering fake money? Like that's where you make fake money?
3: It's where you set up these fake companies. Did you watch Breaking Bad? No. They set up a car wash because if you have all this cash, you need a company. you can't just put it in. Oh god. Yeah, 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 yeah. You make fake receipts, fake sales, like, oh, we yes. made hundred thousand dollars this month when like you probably didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's money laundering. And so apparently for almost ten years, Jen and Stuart are accused of this telemarketing scheme that targeted Says at least ten people over the age of fifty-five. I'm sure it's hundreds, maybe thousands. Oh, for because sure. Because of how much money she's getting, they apparently created these lists of potential victims called leads. And this is like a, a marketing thing, like lead lists. Like it's mm-hmm. just lists of people's info that you can market to, like Glen Gary like, Glenn Ross. Yes, like the leads, like everyone wanted the leads. So yeah, they could get the leads. top in the company, the leads. ABC, always be closing. Yep.
2: Okay, now I'm on board.
4: Now I know what I'm about. <laughs>
1: You can find the show on Twitter at WebcrawlersPod. Pod, that is at Capital W E B, Capital C R A W L E R S, Capital P O D. Ali Sigal can be found at online Allison, that is Capital O N L I N E, Capital A L I S O N. Melissa Stetton can be found at Melissa Stetton, Capital M-E-L-I-S-S-A, Capital S-T-E-T-T-E-N. And there's a third host listed here on the uh, Twitter account, which it looks like Maria Lasucci. She can be found on Twitter at capital M underscore capital B L-A-S-U-C-C-I. You can find them on Discord, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. And apparently they also have merch. And of course, you can find their main website at webcrawlerspod.com. Next up, triple click for maximum fun. In its show description, it says, Video games, they're serious business. Except when they're not serious at all. Each week on Triple Click, video game experts Kirk Hamilton, Maddie Myers, and Jason Schreier journey into the fascinating world of games. They'll explore hot topics in video game news and culture, answer burning listener questions, debate the pros and cons of the biggest new games, and replay old classics together. A clip I've taken is from November eleventh of twenty twenty one from an episode called Skyrim Turns Ten. In its description, uh, the first word is uh, looks like. Dovakin, which I believe that is, uh, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. It's been a while since I played Skyrim, but I believe that is the power word that Dragonborn uses. Again, I'm not sure, but it does have three exclamation points, so I'm going to guess that's what it is. So it says, I'm going to say Dovakin, Dovakin, I think. Skyrim is now officially 10 years old because we are all ancient and slowly turning into dust. Jason, Kirk, and Maddie celebrate the big day by revisiting one of the most influential games of all time. They talk about how Skyrim feels to play today, all of the games it has influenced, and what makes it such a special experience. In this clip, Maddie and Kirk share their initial reactions to Skyrim.
5: So I was absolutely not the kind of person who played Skyrim in 2011, I didn't mm-hmm. play any previous Skyrims.
2: <laughs> any previous of the Skyrim of the any Skyrim? Previ- see any
5: previous Elder Scrolls is, is what I should. Any previous Elder <laughs> Scrolls? Yeah, Elders I didn't. Scrolls. See that's that's <laughs> pathetic. But yeah, for real, I didn't play any of the other ones and I I didn't play this kind of game at all. I was strictly like competitive shooters, fighting games. Like this was it for me and I worked at the Boston Phoenix and I would end up in situations fairly often where Nobody was reviewing a really big game And I was like, we got to have somebody review this. Like, this one really matters, and I'll do it if no one else is going to write this. And I think this was one of those situations, um, because I can't think why else I would have done it. And I wrote a review, which I guess we can link, where I'm basically like, this is not my shit. However, it's incredible, and here are the things about it that are incredible if it is your shit, which is, you know, it's all you can really do as a reviewer is be like, this is what's excellent about it. And I remember... Being astounded by the dragons and just the fact that you could go anywhere. I remember climbing mountains by myself and just being like, wow, this looks great. And it feels incredible to go anywhere and do anything. But I also just, it's so repetitive and it, it, this kind of grindy RPG I don't know. It's still not really my thing, but I I've been enjoying the heck out of replaying it. But we can we can talk about that in a minute, like our <laughs> our nostalgic version of it. But in 2011, mm-hmm. I was I was more like this isn't my thing, but I respect it. And then as it's become such a cultural phenomenon, I wouldn't say I reevaluated my take. I agree I like agreed with my past review when I read it today, but I also didn't expect it to be as big of a deal as it has been in the years since then
6: but your gaming taste haven't your gaming taste evolved well since yeah 2011? that's true too like i think i think i'm too.
5: more i'm more patient with weird rpg mechanics but there are so many things about skyrim that are just weird and are still weird and uncomfortable <laughs> and like the way everyone talks and everyone's faces i mean it's the things that are janky about it then are still kind of janky now unless you install 600 mods then it's perfect and it's the greatest game Mm. ever made and it's fixed (laughs) and everything about it is great but about you kirk when was the first time you played it
6: i played presumably
5: upon release
6: Upon release at Kotaku, I was a member of the staff. That was my first year at Kotaku and I did not review it. And I was actually, I remember thinking, wow, I'm glad I didn't review this because this is really long <laughs> and I can just kind of play it. <laughs> yep. I played a fair amount of it on Xbox 360 and I remember switching to PC and that was one of the first times I really noticed 60 frames per second. And I was like, oh, this this is a lot better on PC. <laughs> like it wasn't like, I, I guess I knew that. There were, the frame rates were a thing, but I just hadn't really thought about it before. Um, or at least that's my memory of that. So I played a lot of it. I think I have like 197 hours on Steam in the original version. And then I've played subsequent versions as well. I played it, you know, I always kind of play a little bit when it comes – I played some on Switch. I played some in VR, which maybe I'll talk about later, and it it's pretty crazy. It's actually yeah, really you cool. Yeah, should. I'm curious um, about
5: how that goes. It's funny. It's
6: just the whole game in VR. Um, mm-hmm. But I – you know, I had played – so I had played Arena, the Elder Scrolls Arena in like uh, 1998 or something. That was the first game in this world that came out that was this open world game and it was this huge world where you would walk around. And I mean it was like ludicrously big and very low fidelity but really, really big and that was the thing it had going for it. And ever since then, I kind of kept my eye on the series. I, I think I was, like, in the mall at Electronics Boutique or whatever and just found the arena box and was looking at it. And it's, like, you know, thousands of dungeons, like, a, you know, this huge world. And I, I remember playing it and being like, well, is it really like that? And then, you know, it's actually pretty repetitive because <laughs> that's the only way they could make a game that big in that, you know, that long ago. Wasn't it also procedurally generated, a lot of the dungeons? I don't know if arena was. I know that Daggerfall was very procedurally generated. I mean, I think that yes, like I think that at some point there's procedural generation. I don't think like the world wasn't being procedurally generated for you as you played. But I think that maybe in Daggerfall that was the case and I didn't play that one. So then anyways, I moving on, I definitely played Morrowind like in the early 2000s. That's a very cool game. That was kind of the Elder Scrolls game for me that was like the first moments of like, wow, this open like... Emergent world, just running this simulation can still be something that reacts to me, and it was very exciting. I played Oblivion when I got back into gaming in 2007, so I've kind of been there for this series throughout. And then, uh, yeah, played the heck out of Skyrim when it came out. It took a little while for me to for to click with me because the setting like wasn't my favorite. The whole kind of Norse thing, I don't know. Like, I just wasn't that jazzed on that. I think I I just really liked Morrowind, and I was always I'll always kind of associate this series with that setting but yeah i mean i've I've played a lot of it over the years and um really like it and also just find it totally befuddling in some ways especially going back to it now like it's really from an interface point of view or a usability point of view just really um remarkable (laughs) how bad some of it is and also the modding scene is pretty cool i've definitely gotten into modding this game i remodded my game i downloaded vortex so now like the Nexus mod manager is called Vortex. Everything has changed. I'm like the old guy coming back to my hometown and everything has a different name. So I had to like reinstall Sky UI and all those mods, the static mesh improvement <laughs> mod. And I, <laughs> yeah, I did it. I made it all the work. The Thomas, the tank engine mod. You replaced <laughs> the Yeah, I change. never did the crazy ones, just the like quality of life ones. But it's, uh, it's still Skyrim. You can find the show. On Twitter at triple click
1: pod, that is all lowercase T R I P L E C L I C K P O D. Kirk Hamilton can be found on Twitter at all lowercase K I R K H A M I L T O N. Maddie Myers can be found at MIDI Myers, that is capital M, capital I, capital D, capital I, all lowercase M Y E R S. And Jason Schreier can be found at all lowercase, Jason Schreier, J-A-S-O-N-S-C-H-R-E-I-E-R. And you can go to MaximumFun.org forward slash podcast forward slash triple hyphen click to find their show's webpage. In the third position tonight, a soundcast called No Dogs in Space from The Last Podcast Network. It has a very brief description, says no dogs in space is a music history podcast featuring marcus parks and carolina hidalgo of the last podcast network season one punk season two alternative i've taken a clip from the episode from july 2nd 2020 went back a ways most of the episodes they have are uh, sequential uh, like part one part two of uh oh boy okay let's see here so for example there are four episodes on the stooges uh, 3 for the Damned, 2 for Suicide there's 1 for Sid and Nancy there's 4 for the Ramones 2 for the Misfits, 3 for the Slits did I say Misfits? Misfits 3 for the Slits um, 3 for the Cramps so there are singles and there are multiples but the one I've chosen is one-off although it could easily fit into the uh, Ramones category because it is uh, from an interview with Alan Arkush, director of Rock and Roll High School So the description goes on to say, We sit down with Alan Arkush, and he tells us all about the punk scene of the 70s, the filming of Rock and Roll High School, and what it's like to play Trivial Pursuit with rock stars. Now, in this clip, more information is revealed concerning the film that would come to be Rock and Roll High School, evolving from originally being conceived as Disco High.
3: So could you tell us more on how you were able to get Roger Corman uh, on board Uh, with rock and roll music instead of disco? Because like you said before, you're like disco doesn't seem that rebellious at all.
7: Right. Right? And and I've got two writers involved who were film students who had come out and sent me and Joe their student films and they were really funny and stupid and we thought they were great. And then I met them when I was doing Death Sport because they were playing mutants in it. And um, I said, so you guys are mutants? And they said, yes, but we really want to be as writers. Uh, (laughs) So The mutants and Mike Fennell and I took a lunch meeting in Vasquez Rocks while I was shooting, and they rewrote Rock and Roll High School. And the first – the deal was you write 10 pages, and um, we'll see if we like it. And the 10 pages they wrote was Eagle Bower. That's what they wrote the first weekend. that whole thing. So then we sat down and went through every scene and we still had to call it Disco High, but it was really clear from the very beginning it was never gonna be called Disco High. Yeah. It's just no way. And so Mike Fennell, who produced it, went on to produce Gremlins and a million other movies and I devised a plan where we would get a rock band committed to this. And that's when we went and saw Todd Rundgren and to ask him about it, and I would told him the story and plugged in all his songs, and he didn't respond well, but he did say quite brilliantly, like, "This sounds more like a movie called If by Lindsay Anderson, which it was an homage to." Yeah. Uh, so then we we realized that maybe also we had to keep the humor going during the music, and there isn't a lot of rock music that's inherently humorous, you know. Um, there's a there's certain amount of you know, self-importance, you know. There's a funny song, maybe, but there isn't like underneath chord changes and stuff like that, or certain uplift. So that's when Cheap Trick was starting to happen. And so I was listening to Rodney on the Rocks, Rodney Bingenheimer all the time, and he would play Cheap Trick. And I really liked it, and they had an album that hadn't been released yet called Live at Budokan, which is one of the great live records. So that, so we went and met with Cheap Trick, and talked to them about it, and they said, let's make, that sounds good, and you can use Live at Budokan as the basic tracks that we will play back to. So that was a huge thing, you know, because that's a great record. And you know, I said, and we hadn't come up with, you know, a theme song for the movie yet, I was still, and then we had, I had to go into Roger's office and break the notes, so now we absolutely knew that it was had to be called rock and roll. There was no doubt in our minds at that point because we'd spoken to two bands and it was firmly in the mind of me and Mike and we had to face Roger. And Roger had a a lawyer there named Paul Amund who had worked at Warner Brothers. So Paul was invited into this meeting and I described the difference between disco music and rock and roll. And disco music is the music of your parents and middle class people or lower class people who are upwardly mobile you know they want that's what they're that's the secret that's why Saturday Night uh, um, Fever is so good he he said wants to better himself you know you can't better yourself by blowing up a high school (laughs) (laughs) says you (laughs) so there was a moment of recognition I said I need rock and roll music I need Roger have you ever heard The Who and and so I This was it, kids, you know, I had to do it right here. So I imitated Pete Townsend, you know, and described Pete Townsend destroying his equipment, which I had seen from five feet, you know, 10 feet away. Somewhere or other, I have one of Keith Moon's broken drum heads, Um, and so smashing up the equipment, I said, that's who blows up the high school. Rock and roll band, who else, but you know, kids have anger, that's what, it has to be music that scares your parents. Yeah. And that was like, you know, that's where he made his millions. You know, we meet with Warner brothers and, um, that Paul Amundsen, we have a meeting and they're like, um, uh, we start talking about bands and that's when they played us the first VHS of Devo. Devo hadn't even recorded. They had done some film of themselves. I don't know if it was, vhs or super 8 or what it was uh them in the flower pots and all that mm-hmm. and uh we thought that was great but it was too far from what we were doing the name van halen came up because they were starting to really happen in la but i had heard them on rodney and, I, and you know it didn't seem like they were right for it and then they asked me if i had heard now they were impressed that we knew every band that they mentioned. So, you know, Warner Brothers. So they said, hey, Do you listen to Sire Records? Because we have this other label, Sire. I said, Yeah, Talking Heads. You know? And they said, What about the Ramones? And I said, oh, I really like the Ramones. Well, what about the Ramones? And it just, I wish I could say that it came to me in a flash of white light, yeah. but it did. <laughs> it, it, it seemed to me a funny idea. And that the tone of their music was so. Um, those chord changes and the the influence of the surf music in there, that upbeat stuff balanced with the sheer aggression, seemed to be a good idea. So the show is not on Twitter,
1: but it is on Instagram at No Dogs Pod. That's all lowercase n o d o g s p o d. Marcus Parks is on Twitter and Instagram at all lowercase m a r c u s p a r k s. Carolina Hidalgo is Carolina Does O okay K on Twitter, which is capital C-A-R-O-L-I-N-A Capital D O E S Capital O OK. K. And on Instagram, she is Carolina Danger Hidalgo. That is all lowercase C A R O L I N A D A N G E R H I D A L G O. Alan Arkush does not appear to be on Twitter or Instagram. Also, the Last Podcast Network can be found on Twitter at LastPodNetwork, that is capital L-A-S-T, capital P-O-D, capital N-E-T-W-R-K, and you can find the show's main website, which appears to be on Libsyn, at nodogsinspace.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N,
0: dot com. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a garment was stirring, not even a blouse." The shirts were hung by the jackets with care, in hopes that some pants soon would hang there. The boxes were nestled all snug in their drawers, while socks, athletic and tubular, had been left on the floor. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap were worn out from discussing our marital gap. From the hangers in the closet there arose such a clatter. I yanked open the door to see what was the matter. I pulled skirts and blazers aside like a flash, yanked down all my ties, my belts, and a sash. Though the weak light in that cupboard could barely show... The inside of the place where all our clothes go. Yet what to my wondering eyes should appear. A dozen new pads to cover my rear. Being hung like a sailor. er, I'm sorry, being hung by a tailor so lively and quick. I knew in a moment it must be Saint Nick more rapid than eagles, his hands they did fold, those pants on wooden hangers so old. He said, "Oh, now here are some pants they designed for Nixon and two pairs of trousers custom made for Wolf Blitzer. Check out that zipper. Make fast the clasp, for soon pants from Henderson's will save your sweet ass. <laughs> You've heard of their dungarees, pet pants, and khakis. They're Wake Island shorts were proclaimed to be tacky. Won't you please try on a pair of Henderson's best? Perhaps some turtleneck trousers with a vest? Or ballet pants? Clam diggers? Space pants for sure. Why not their drifter chinos? Picnic pants and more? There are plenty of Henderson's pants to go round. Great pantaloons at a bargain are yours to be found. That jolly old fellow. He saw I was a skeptic and realized that the hard Hard sell at Christmas made me quite dyspeptic. So he mellowed a bit and gave me a smile and suggested we just kick back for a while. I asked him point blank, do you have time to waste? You've only got one night to be all over the place. He laughed and said not to worry. Thanks to a secret, he was in no hurry. He showed me from the sides of the trousers their sprouted wings with pockets so deep he could carry all of his things. A sales spiel on Christmas? Are you joking? You can't! He winked and he said, brand new from Henderson's. They're the new Santa Pants. Originally made for sneak thieves, elves, and guys who sit on thrones in the middle of department stores right after Thanksgiving, Henderson's original Santa Pants are available at the North Pole. And that's it. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from Henderson's, makers of nice knitwear and naughty naugahyde since 1829. And now back, ho, 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 to succotash.
1: Thank you, Bill Haywatt. Happy holidays to you and yours and everybody else. <laughs> uh, finally, this evening, the most, I don't know, seasonally appropriate, perhaps, entry in the four clips I've chosen. It's from the Soundcast and it has been clipped multiple times on this episode throughout the 10 years of its existence. Sorry, the 10 years of Suckatash's existence. I'm not sure how long, how did this get made, has been around, although I feel like I should. I've certainly been listening to it since the beginning, or I had been. Anyway, they're from they are on Airwolf, and their description, for those of you who've never heard it before, says, Have you ever seen a movie so bad that it's amazing? Paul Scheer, June Diane Raphael, and Jason Manzoukas want to hear about it. We'll watch it with our funniest friends and report back to you with the results. Now, this episode that I clipped was originally released January 14th, 2014. It was re-released uh, on December 6th, 2021, in an episode called Matinee Monday. It is Jack Frost, the movie with Michael Keaton with Dan Harmon. Its description says, Break out your magic harmonicas because Dan Harmon joins Paul, June, and Jason to discuss the Michael Keaton classic Jack Frost. They discuss the George Clooney connection to the film, and ponder if Jim Henson would have let this nightmare come to life. And remember, Snow Dad is better than No Dad. Mm-hmm. So I chose this as an extra clip this week due to being reminded of its existence by Stephen Kruger of the Nooner Podcast. That's a soundcast that airs live on Tuesday nights, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and has been running for over 10 years, like this show has. Mr. Kruger mentioned that he had heard this episode that featured Dan Harmon, and that he, and then he mentioned how he missed Dan Harmon. And I thought to myself, yeah, so do I. I should probably listen to that episode again. I barely remember it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anyway, I enjoyed hearing it again so much, I had to include a clip of it for this episode. Uh, the clip is from the regular segment of the soundcast known as Second Opinions with the host Paul Scheer, reads out five-star reviews from Amazon of the film. They are currently uh, roasting. Mm. Buckle up, folks.
4: All right, these are five-star reviews. cold from Amazon. These are pretty great. I actually took one out, June, because I thought it would upset you too much. So uh, Thank uh, you. Here we go. That, I took it out. That. I took it out. I found it in my out. Uh, this is from Shane. He goes, My dad was the exact same way. <laughs> Music was his number one priority. I was third. Women were his second. He didn't die, but he might as well have. The last time I saw him, I was eight years old, and it was Christmas Eve. I watch this movie every year around Christmas, as I can remember. Not because it's a good flick, but because I can relate. I mean even the little things like the fact that his dad is a chubby music buddy and that his mom's a blonde, just more similarities. A must see for the entire family or anyone (laughs) or anyone who's who's experienced a similar life.
0: A must see for me.
4: Looking insane. <laughs> this one was pretty great too. And if you like, want to be reminded of your own horrors from childhood.
0: <laughs> Doesn't even, he openly admits the movie's not good, but he goes to it as some kind of anti-mecca. <laughs> it's a catharsis. He
3: gets to,
4: someone also is going through what I am going through.
0: Oh, it's like Scientologists. I think they they, they, they believe that if you slam your finger in a car door, you, you put your finger back in the car door and yes, they, like touch you rub it. Rub it there. Yeah, like, that's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, Wait, is that the, a real
0: uh, thing? Yeah. Scientologists yeah, also believe that if you like put a hat on a snowman and your dad gives you a harmonica, uh, it's a very very powerful religion for actors.
4: <laughs> this is uh, from EagleSource 777. Although sad, but with a great plot, and again it goes against my beliefs. But that, like again, but that, yeah, again, again. <laughs> from his other reviews on Amazon. <laughs> you probably clicked on me, um, a movie, Mikey. <laughs> but that being said it's awesome uh, wait but it goes against his beliefs and I don't know Christian this, like, beliefs. it goes against Christian everyone's beliefs. beliefs yeah well because like, I don't know I guess like my I guess my thought is is he saying like reincarnation or because I, I don't so. I mean yeah and then so well this movie is very anti-Christian
0: <laughs> well
4: I mean I'm just kidding he <laughs> goes it has a great plot and makes one think about what we need to work on and do better in our lives now unlike this movie we don't get second chances oh Oh, shit shit. he knocks once bitch (laughs) (laughs) well I will say this Jack Frost is a Christ-like character he does rise from the grave
0: he is constantly fucked with by God through no choice of his own he's Born right, into he's, mystical he's circumstances, he's
2: human form and a different form, which is snowman. He form. has a band
4: of apostles who support him in what he's doing. He's he's
0: celibate, but maybe not.
4: <laughs> like
0: evidence shows, he had a wife. Maybe
4: uh-huh. the cabin is kind of like the the tomb, and he disappeared from the tomb. Mm-hmm. All right, there we go. Well, sure. yeah, out of your I, mouth. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, this one's titled Great for Wives to Watch with Husbands. <laughs> wow, this movie was an eye-opener for my husband. It really made him think about how important it is for him to spend time with his kids and take care of household responsibilities. <laughs> Five stars. Oh,
0: wow.
4: From Susan Kay.
0: There's a whole society of people out there
4: watching movies wrong. That that review is like says so much about her desperate life. Oh my god!
0: You you and the kid who's you're flagellating yourself because your your dad died too. Like like you 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 have a right to be entertained by a feature film.
4: Well, watch out because this one's going to bring down the whole (laughs) room. Titled Orphan in Denver. (laughs) I love this movie. My dad just died two months ago. And this is the first time I've seen it. Tomorrow I'm going to go out and build a snowman. Play my harmonica. And pray that my dad comes back as a snowman. I miss him. Five stars, five stars stars. by Paula's fan. Paula's fan. Holy cow, (coughs) that is bleak. Written in December 22nd, 2004. Just a couple days I before Christmas. I wonder if it worked. Update. Like this somewhere... shit worked. Everyone, get a harmonica. Get outside. Like, how many times has it happened that somebody was driving by, someone hugging a snowman, and it was like, yeah, somebody just saw Jack Frost.
1: So you can find the show on Twitter at all caps, H-D-T-G-M. Paul Shear can be found at all lowercase, P-A-U-L-S-C-H-E-E-R. June Diane Rayfield can be found at Miss June Diane. That is capital M-S, capital J-U-N-E, capital D-I-A-N-E. Jason Mantzoukas is not on Twitter. Dan Harmon uh, can be found on Instagram at all lowercase, D-A-N-H-A-R-M-O-N. And of course, you can find the show Anywhere you can find Soundcast Plus uh, on Earwolf. And there's the music that tells us that the episode has now reached its final moments. It's been real, 2021. A bit too real. But, I mean, what else is there? This is what life is. Sometimes it is hard, but sometimes it is also funny. Both of those things are relative and subjective, of course, but that doesn't negate anything. Having intense joy and intense grief in steady amounts for an extended period of time can be brain-changing. Laughter has helped, and I have had that this year. I consider myself fortunate to have that, and to know the people that I do. I'm grateful for family, friends, and and friendlies alike. Connections have been rough for more people at the same time than likely any other time in modern history. Technology has helped a great deal, and I am also grateful for that. Connecting has always been difficult for me. Therefore, I'm always grateful for it. Thank you to everyone who communicated with me in person, through the written word, or by telecommunication. Those of you who have heard me say, be decent to each other, and either were already doing that, or have begun to, I would like to thank you for both those scenarios being a part of our shared reality. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays. And if someone asks you if you've heard something good or interesting lately, and we come to mind, won't you please pass the succotash?
0: You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast with your host Tyson Sainer, brought to you by Henderson's Pants and Imagine your company's name right here Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts Find us on the web at show.com, on Spotify On Stitcher, on iHeartRadio On YouTube, on SoundCloud, and wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at T-Y-S-O-N at SuckatashShow.com or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash slash Suck-a-tash. suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Suckatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash goodbye.